the answer to the question of what is the new series, um, there are different parables that have to do with soil that we are going to go through over the next few weeks. And the thing about parables is that they are stories, and storytelling is a really, really crucial part of culture for most cultures. So most cultures and communities have a form of storytelling. And we have our own, (coughs) excuse me, there's a few titles here that you may know. The tortoise and the hare. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. We know it more as a saying probably now, but it was a story that it came from. A wolf in sheep's clothing. The boy who cried wolf. Goldilocks and the three bears. There are lots of stories that our culture has adopted that we know that have been around for ages and ages, but somehow most people still know some version of that story. And there are different types of stories that different cultures sort of cling to or sort of latch onto or multiple at multiple times. For example, we have this Disney situation, right? We've got Disney movies all over the place, and that's this fairy tale story. And so we have this sort of intense love as a culture for this fairy tale concept. Fairy tales are stories with imagination or magical components. That's like the whole world of the Disney movies that are put out, this sort of magical and imagination fairy tales. And then there's parables, which are stories with an important lesson that usually involves people. And parables we think of in the church is directly tied to the church, but there are parables that are just passed down from generation to generation to generation that are not in the Bible. And then there's fables. And a, a fable is the animal version of a parable. And so it's like the story with a lesson that has animals. And so in the primary stories that we have or the types of storytelling that we have, there's fables and there's parables and there's fairy tales. And chances are that all of us know something from every single category. We may know more in the magic world if we are big movie fans and we like to watch them when they come out. We may know more in the parables if if stories from the Bible are really our, like, primary thing. And then fables, there's so many that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation that you probably at least know a few. But this morning, we are not focusing in on any fables or fairy tales. Um, We are focusing in on parables, which may be a shock, but um, this morning, we are going to dive into parables, these stories that pass down from generation to generation. And stories have been studied as what has the highest success rate for memory. So the highest success rate for memory for the human brain is a story because the human brain is wired to look for patterns and mental images. And we are more likely to remember those patterns and those images that we can create or see uh, if we're watching something than we are facts or statistics. And there was a study done where they did a 10-minute presentation. So just 10 minutes. There's a study done. Just 10-minute presentation. And the question was, how much of the presentation do people remember after the presentation? So we took a 10-minute presentation. 
And immediately after, people remember, this is immediately. Like this is you get done if the sermon was 10 minutes and then had this question of what exactly do you remember right after? No amount of time has passed. Immediately after, what do you remember? 50% was about the average of what people retained immediately after a 10-minute presentation. The next day, that dropped to 25%. And then a week later, it was less than 10% of a 10-minute presentation. Now, an hour-long presentation has a whopping 3% retention rate. 3%, which begs the question, what are we doing with our Sunday morning format? Anyways, that's for another day. Um, <laughs> we could do better than that, I'm sure. We're superhuman or something. Uh, but <laughs> when they studied storytelling, they realized that the amount of retention went up 22 times more. So people were able to recall a story 22 times what they could recall in facts. They did another study where people were given uh, one minute to pitch something. One minute. They gave 10 people one minute. 60 seconds. I have already been up here like 10 minutes. Uh, 60 seconds. They gave 10 people 60 seconds. And so they did this study. Uh, nine of the pitches were filled with facts and logistics and statistics to sell whatever it was that they were trying to sell. And t the tenth presentation was a story. And the results were 67% of people remembered the story. And 5% of people remembered one statistic from nine pitches. There's a church example of how this works, like a super simple church example. We talk about in the church for ages now, memorizing scripture. We've talked about it, we've worked on it, we've had various forms of it. And for a while, the church was really focused on memorizing verses. And that's not a bad thing, but it was like a real strong focus for a long time. And... If you have memorized scripture before in that way, think through the context of how many times that you had to repeat it, how many times you had to say it out loud, how many different strategies that you might have had to have to commit it to memory for whatever uh, needed to be committed to memory for. And then think through how many of those memory verses have you still retained. But then think about this, sort of on the other hand. Memorizing scripture, I'm not saying it's bad at all. I, we're talking about ways that we remember things. It's also a very, very good thing. On the other hand, how many stories from the Bible could you tell today from having heard them once or twice? What about Adam and Eve? Cain killing Abel, Tower of Babylon, the walls of Jericho, Jonah and the big fish, or a whale, depending on where you went to church. David kills Goliath. Jesus' birth in an obscure location or a stable, again, depending on where you went to church. A handful of shepherd stories. 
Jesus feeding the 5,000. If you've been in church a long time, you could probably also be like, he also fed 4,000. Because you know that story too. He healed a blind man and a bunch of other people. There's a story about whoever cast the first stone. There's a story of dying on the cross. You could tell a story about palm branches. And that's just like a little bit of it. There's parting the Red Sea. I mean, there is just so many stories that if you or I sat down and went through and made a list of all of the stories from the Bible that we could remember, it would be a huge list. Because stories are the easiest thing to remember. And there's a transition that happens in the Gospels before we get to our first parable here this morning. There's a transition that happens in the Gospels where Jesus was doing ministry in person. And he switches from one style of language to another. So there's this transition that happens with Jesus. And he's transitioning from using sort of a normal cadence and pattern of communication, talking about laws, engaging questions, and sort of detailing through some of these facts and statistics. A lot of times, facts that other people bring to him, like you can't work on the Sabbath or these sort of things. And so he's confronting and responding to these various different things. And he has, on some level, done some things, like healed someone and then left town. And so there's these senses of like the communication style is sort of typical to what would be expected of communication for Jesus, not typical still, but um, you know what I uh, mean, and he transitions at one point in the Gospels to using primarily parables. And I don't know this, but there's a sense as he gets closer to leaving where he begins to transition to parables because he also knows that stories are what people remember. And he knows that he is leaving. And so as he prepares to leave, he transitions to storytelling. He transitions to parables. And so let's jump into Matthew 13, where this transition began. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood there on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him. See, there's this transition that's happened. The disciples came to him and they said, why Do you speak in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled 
the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you heard but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is one of the few parables in Scripture where there is a direct explanation of the parable following the parable. And this is because the disciples notice this pattern change or this communication style change. And so it's one of the few parables where the disciples said, why are you talking in stories? And he said, let me tell you what this story means. Which is super, super helpful for us because they sought clarity and then Jesus answered. And I think there are times when we read through scripture and we're like, why was that not the case for everything that was written? But Jesus could say something and then we could be like, and somebody asked him what it meant and then this is what he said it meant. But that is not the case. This is one of the few examples where we are not left a lot to uh, sort of speculate in the story. And since the parable is given an explanation by Jesus, it does leave uh, very little for discussion in the context of uh, this morning. But there are some debates. Because the thing that we know is that even if Jesus went through and explained every single thing that was ever written in the Bible, there would still be some debates that follow. And this is no exception. So there's some commonly asked questions or commonly debated topics in regards to the parable of the sower. Question one that people debate is, who qualifies as good soil? That is one of the most common questions in regards to the parable of the sower. The second thing that people debate is, did people who fell away or fall away ever understand in the first place? Sort of another debate of this particular parable. The third question that people often want to discuss in regards to this parable is, how do I know what kind of soil I am? And many people have spent hours, books, articles, sermons, time, diving into these debates. They are not bad debates to dive into. However, 
there is a concept in parables that it's about the story. And so the reason that Jesus transitioned from statistics and facts and, and sort of this typical pattern where we see the same in pitches or in concepts where we use sort of this fact-based approach to communication, the reason that Jesus transitions is because in a parable, there's a story that you will remember as a whole. A parable is a story with a lesson. A lesson. Not typically 15 lessons, 10 lessons, because then it starts to turn into facts, and then you've got the same thing that you used to have. And so the thing to remember about parables is that we do not think that Jesus wrote this parable so that we could go through every category of soil and pick out where we land, where someone else lands, how people land there, what happens when they land there, how they got there, and the ramifications of whatever soil uh, they are sitting in. Because then we would be diving into the other thing, which is just sort of normal communication. And so the nature of parables is this sort of lesson through a story, this sort of overarching concept or this overarching theme less than the little details. And, and Jesus does provide some explanation here. There's some types of soil that produce different things. There's types of soil that grow very quickly and then die very quickly. There are types of soil that grow and they continue to grow and they eventually produce 30, 60 times the fruit of what was expected. There's soil that sort of is enriched with worries. And there's soil that's sort of overcome by the deceitfulness of, of wealth. And so he does talk through some of these soils without potentially the hope that we dive into every single one and we try to prescribe them to ourselves or to others in a certain way, but that there's an overarching premise here. And so we're going to talk through, as we close this morning, and there's a few minutes left, some of the overarching, some of the big picture things, as opposed to sort of picking out the little details throughout the parable. Some of the big picture concepts that we see through all types of soil is that uh, we have a responsibility to sow seed. The seed being the message of the kingdom of God. Another overarching premise in this whole story is that we need to remember that not everyone will have faith and follow Jesus. And whether they do or not is not up to us. Another big picture concept is that evidence of following Jesus will be seen in those who receive the message of the kingdom because their lives will show growing spiritual life and maturity over time. The next sort of big picture thing is that the evidence of the kingdom will show up in sort of this long-term space. And this is very important because in each of these, there's a sense of like, it may grow for a moment. But the idea is that the soil that works grows over time. So there's this encouragement in there that Jesus knew that we would all be a work in progress 
that was not two weeks worth of work. It would be a lifetime of work in progress. And so that's an encouragement for us as individuals who know that we are not uh, two weeks into following Jesus and have it all figured out and the, the maturity and the growth and the fruit is all just available. But it's also something that we get to know about other people too. If we are a work in progress, they also get to be a work in progress. And the final sort of thought this morning that we will leave here with today is this uh, catchy, easy-to-remember statement, because we've learned that statements are what everybody remembers, and those facts and logistics are super helpful. So this is a statement, sow seed, let Jesus do the rest. And we're going to leave on this sort of note of letting Jesus do the work that Jesus is going to do and doing the things that God has asked me to do.